0: Hi, Michelle Sparks, back with part two. Just picking straight up from where I was talking before about freedom to be wrong, to not be perfect, to not have it all together, just to sit in our frail, flawed humanity and actually find that as a liberating truth. So, one of the things I was just about to say is that as I've put together the 4x4 Freedom Express, you know, one of the keys that I unpack is to make a decision. And that making a decision is really to change course, is to see that the eating disorder, disordered eating, food and weight control strategy is never going to take us where we want to go. Most of us start on that journey looking to simply feel better about ourselves in some way, more acceptable, more secure, more in control we just want to feel better about ourselves and controlling food and weight is a misguided but totally understandable solution or strategy to do that because it can it can make us feel more in control, more acceptable, more secure in certain ways. It really can. But if that is our only way or if we come to commit to that and rely on that as our strategy, our go-to strategy, For feeling okay about ourselves, we will find ourselves chasing our tail, going down a rabbit warren, getting stuck on the eating disorder treadmill, restricting, losing control, going back to restricting, maybe purging, etc., etc., and developing the symptoms of disordered eating or an eating disorder. So, I speak about that in key one, which is about adjusting your vision so that you can actually see why. The eating disorder strategy, the food weight control strategy, while it's understandable and it starts with good intentions, it, if that's it, if that's our coping strategy, it is not going to lead us to the desired outcome. In fact, it's going to take us further and further away from feeling good about ourselves and feeling in control and secure in our world and in our skin. It's going to do the opposite over time. And people who are struggling with an eating disorder or disordered eating issue will know that. You will have experienced that. I do divide, I do separate anorexia from eating disorders. You may have noticed that and wondered why. I probably should make that the subject of another podcast and I will. But just to say briefly, pure anorexia or where it starts, where it really starts and drives us down the scales is just ongoing and ever-increasing restrictions. So someone who is on that restrictive path and successfully restricting, and it's quite amazing how long a person can successfully restrict, they will often not see themselves as having a problem because they're not losing control their eating disordered strategies are working for them, they are egosyntonic, in other words they are actually in sync with the way they see and value themselves and so they don't want to change. That's quite a different scenario to someone who has moved beyond that um, place where the, the food behaviour is, they're feeling successful. When, they start, when you or I or someone in that space starts to move into losing control and the feelings and the thoughts and the behaviours that go with that and get us stuck, then we usually are in an eating disordered space. We may still have anorexia. We may be binging and um, purging or we may have a binge purge type anorexia. But we won't be in that purely restrictive mode. So I do separate those two modes because... I think the way a person perceives themselves and feels within their skin as they travel through the anorexia restrictive type is quite different to any other space that I am familiar with or have experienced and i um, very happy to have your feedback about that. Back to what I was saying, so in the second key I'm talking about making a decision to change course and move towards freedom. And what does that look like? And how do we do that? And obviously, making a decision is the start of the journey. It's not the complete journey. We're moving towards a goal. That goal is freedom. What does freedom look like? And that's a really good and important question to ask a person who we're wanting to help get off the eating disorder path. We want to help you think about what does freedom look like? You may have become so familiar with what bondage and lack of freedom looks like and you've been so caught up on that treadmill for such a long time that you can really lose sight of what freedom might look like so it might be things like to eat intuitively not according to rules and regulations but to eat according to my body according to how I feel inside my skin eat intuitively eat when I'm hungry eat because uh, there's a nice social occasion, and I'd really like to just enjoy some food and fellowship with my friends. You know, I'd like to sit around uh, a nice drink or some nice food and just chat through things, just sit and relax. I mean, food is such a big part of shared community, shared experience. Mealtimes together with family and friends are some of the most important social, culturally social interactions. And so, you know, the eating disordered landscape is such a bugger of a thing because it really does rip us off from that very important nurture that comes from enjoying food and fellowship and wine or whatever it is with friends, loved ones, family, people that we're wanting to get to know. It's incredible. The ramifications are incredible. But so there might be things in freedom that look like eating intuitively, feeling good, In my skin, feeling at ease, in conversation, living by my own values, exploring my beliefs, free to make mistakes, free to learn. So I was thinking about freedom. And I was thinking about Millie, who I mentioned in the last podcast, Millie Fontana, who is the donor child of two lesbian mums, and she was speaking about Just, you know, that clash of freedom, I suppose. She was talking about their freedom to do what they are wanting to do, but where's her freedom to know who... She was talking about knowing her father and that that information had been withheld from her. Now, that she's got a particular personal story there, a unique story. But I guess what it brought me to think about was that the flip side of freedom is, you know, freedom doesn't occur for us. Our rights don't exist within a vacuum. Freedom is such an interesting topic in itself, isn't it? Freedom. Freedom. The other side of freedom. The other side of having rights is being responsible with those rights. What does that look like? Respecting others. Helping and not hurting. Respecting other people's personhood as as sacred as ours. I suppose that golden rule that comes to mind is to love others and to treat others as we'd like to be treated ourselves so i think for me the heart of freedom the heart of personal freedom is a place of self acceptance but it's not a place of self promotion in ways that are not respectful of other people it's not about promoting rights and and dominating in fact this then led me to think about a passage that I'm sure we've all heard at weddings and I think, wow, it's it's speaking about love, the qualities of love. What does love look like? And let me tell you, we're all, me, me, hand, both hands up, feet up as well. We are all so imperfect in the way we love. doesn't mean that we don't aim for doing better and that's a great thing and we, I think that's a a high and noble thing to aim towards, but we fall short. Listen to this. Listen to this. So love this this um, passage out of 1 Corinthians that um, you often hear at weddings, and it's just talking about what love is. And it says love endures with patience and serenity. Love is kind and thoughtful. It's not jealous or envious. Love does not brag and is not proud or arrogant. It's not rude, it's not self-seeking, it is not provoked, not overly sensitive and easily angered. It does not take into account a wrong endured. Oh my goodness, that's tough, isn't it? It does not rejoice at injustice, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, regardless of what comes, believes all things, looking for the best in each one. Hopes, all things, remaining steadfast during difficult times. Endures, all things, without weakening. Love never fails. Love never fails. Wow. And it talks a bit further down in that same passage. Wow, I love it. Love never fails. Uh, It talks about things passing away things ceasing, knowledge passing away. It says, we know in part, we speak or prophesy in part, our knowledge is fragmentary and incomplete. But then, but when that which is complete and perfect comes, and I, I understand that to be the revelation of God in his glory. And you know, there's other passages that talk about God being light and love. And like you know, just a taste of that, just a touch of that just knocks us off our feet. It's beyond my human comprehension. It's beyond my ability to grasp the height and the depth and the length and the breadth. But it doesn't mean it's not real. But what this is saying is love is all these things and we move towards them by the grace of God, by the Spirit of God that lives in each one of us. But we are on a journey. We are in a process. And it talks about, you know, when I was a child, I talked like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I did away with childish things. For now, in this time of imperfection, we see in a mirror dimly. We get a blurred revision, a blurred reflection, a riddle, an enigma. But then, when the time of perfection comes, which it obviously hasn't, we will see reality. We'll see face to face. Now I know in part, just in fragments, but then I will know fully, just as I have been fully known by God. And now there remains faith, an abiding trust in God and his promises, hope, confident expectation of eternal salvation, of good things, love, unselfish love for others, going out of God's love for me. These three the choicest graces, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. And you know, I suppose for me, and it doesn't matter where you come from in terms of what you, you know, your religious faith or lack thereof, or whatever it is that you subscribe to. I'm just putting that out there as an amazing passage on what love looks like. And for me, that is personified in a God that I am growing to know. And And trying to know, not in a striving, self-flagellating way, but just wanting to know because I've come to understand he's just so amazingly good and he loves us indescribably. And I can't fathom the height and the depth and the length of that, but it's good in ways that are the very best my heart has ever conjured up uh, the very best uh, a good mom or dad thinks about for their children, that to me is like, okay, that's a, a taste, a, a foretaste of what that love that the the creator, the father who created us all, loves us all, has for us. Now, I'm getting a bit, it might, it might feel like I'm going around in a twist here, but not really. Let me try and draw this together. So I'm talking about perfection and losing perfectionism and feeling free to be my, in my imperfect humanity, frail and flawed and finite, and how liberating that is. I'm talking about the fact that I get it wrong. I thought a view was important, you know overrated but I realized it's not that's a silly thing in many ways but there are much more important things that I've believed and been wrong about you know I listened to Millie and um, she had a view of um, being a donor child brought up by two lesbian mums and she had a view that I hadn't heard I haven't lived in that space and um, so that was great to be to to have my thinking stretched by some of the things that she was saying and so we know in part we see in part We love in part. We don't, we're not perfect. We're finite, we're flawed, we're fallible. But we are so loved. We are so loved. You and me. We are so loved. We are so loved and so chosen by the God that is love. That's my understanding. That's a biblical revelation, if you like. And it's not just head knowledge. If it's just that. I, I lived in that space with head knowledge, but no real understanding or revelation, and it didn't help me. In fact, I got really bent out of shape in the anorexia, would you believe? But what has set me free from perfectionism is actually experiencing that love that is unconditional and that doesn't fail and doesn't expect me to be what I cannot be, but enters into my humanity, joins with me by the spirit, His Spirit, and enables me to live a much freer, more noble, higher life than I could ever hope to without His divine indwelling and infusing and leading. And I'm, I fall so far short, you know, I'm so... I'm not putting my hands up to say I've arrived. I'm so not arrived. I'm so far back in the journey. But that's okay. I'm okay about that too. And there's a freedom to be wrong. And there's a freedom to be flawed. And there's a freedom not to have it all together. And there's a freedom to have dialogue that is open and respectful of other people's opinions. Because I know I haven't got it all. I know I don't see it all. I know I only see through a glass darkly. And the the moderating or the most powerful thing I know that tempers that freedom that we all all seem to want and we you know placard up and put our rights forth and look I understand that I'm part of that human deal but I think what tempers that for me is when I look at that through the lens of love that love that I just read out what that looks like so there's some thoughts Trying to bring some thoughts together. The freedom of not being perfect. The rest and the liberty of not being perfect and not trying to be perfect. The humility that brings and the openness that brings to sit back and not dominate and not not humiliate, not shame, but listen and learn. And Wonder and be curious. There go I, but by the grace of God or someone else's experience. So, there's no place to be self-righteous. That is not the space that I inhabit as a Christian. And you you know, my apologies if you've met Christians, myself included, and and we've come across as self-righteous. That's not the space. That is ours to inhabit. It's not the space that God has ordained for us to inhabit either. Not at all. It's a place of humility. And uh, the only the only good and perfect one is, is God, who is full of grace and truth. We see through a glass darkly. We love him perfectly. But one day, we'll all see that perfection. And while we just continue to look into that direction... Uh, into the one like just looking at that one who came to earth and and showed us what love looks like and he didn't force his way in fact he was so humble he went to a cross so much more to talk about but anyway I, I am getting a bit off track I just wanted to say love for me that love that definition of love humbles me and tempers my freedom and my rights and helps me stay open and vulnerable and teachable and respectful in conversations. Just some thoughts, some thoughts for you too if you're struggling in the eating disorder space. Receiving that acceptance of self, in our frail flawed humanity is just the most wonderful gift and it is a gift of love and it is available to all of us and uh, that has been the foundation of healing in my own life and truth is true so there are other aspects that have brought healing too but that love experiencing that love that unfailing unconditional love is the most profound healing liberating experience and encounter and relationship that I know. So there it is. There's some some different thoughts for you to chew over. Love to hear your feedback, your thoughts, love to dialogue with with you. And um, yeah, until next time, travel well.